Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My co-host today is Nathan. Hello and thanks for having me again. Today's topic, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the action horror comedy. The film stars Christy Swanson, Donald Sutherland, Paul Rubens, Rutger Hauer, Luke Perry and Hilary Swank. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. I thought it very timely that we review this film, and I've got to be honest, before I had the idea to review it, I was just watching it for fun. It had been a while since I'd seen it. Just so happens, this year is the 30th anniversary. Wow. What a perfect time to do a review. Technically, this was a film first, then in the 90s or late 90s, I think about 97, we got the Sarah Michelle Gellar TV series that had comics. I thought, you know what? It counts. We can talk Buffy. And I thought you would be a good guest to have on the show because this is your first viewing. Yeah, absolutely. It was my first time watching it. Uh, I was absolutely struck, uh, awestruck by how many big 90s names were in it. Yeah, Pee Wee. I mean, Pee Wee is in this movie. (laughs) Paul Rubens, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's very 90s, isn't it? And it is a comedy. Like, there's genuine laughs still in this film. Honestly, I have seen this film so many times. It's going to be interesting getting into it with you, someone who 30 years later is watching this movie for the first for time. The first Absolutely. Time. And it's, it's, it's crazy because I always thought it would be a horror movie. I always thought it would be a horror movie. And um, it's crazy that it plays more like a comedy. That, that, well, I was unprepared for that. That was interesting. I mean, it is a comedy first. I mean, for the most part, most vampires who are recently turned are useless. Mm. Absolutely. In the show, like they're a lot more competent. Yeah. And then it's more impressive when Buffy defeats them. But in this show, and I just love the whole concept of Buffy the Vampire Slayer anyway. She's the cheerleader. Yeah. But she's not the damsel in distress. Distress, no. Like she's the one that's going to turn the tides on the vampires and yeah. be and be a badass. And we do still get that, although we get lots of jokes. I mean, it could just be me here, and I could be way wrong, so um, correct me if I am, but it feels like there are comparisons to Sabrina the Teenage Witch a little bit, just because of the fact that Sabrina is also a cheerleader. Yeah, I mean, Sabrina comics would have predated this. I'm thinking of the show with Melissa Joan Hart. That yeah. was after this, wasn't it? Yeah, not the, obviously Maybe the, the newer one. 93, 94. Oh, yeah, nah, the new Netflix one yeah, no. many, many years later. You can just see the sort of parallels, though. So the film was a moderate success at the box office, but received mixed reception from critics. The film took a different direction from what Joss Whedon initially intended. Five years later is when he created the darker and critically acclaimed TV series of the same name. Mm. There was many problems behind the scenes. So Whedon came up with the idea. He He wrote the film. He walked away from it. Well, wow. because it was changing too much from what he wanted. Yeah. And I guess if you want to see what he wanted, there is a comic called, what was it called? Buffy the Vampire Slayer Origin. And it's originally what he wanted this film to be, what right. he wanted the screenplay to be. So years later, around about the time of the TV show, so he revisited he did, it. He, yeah, he revisited it. And, he, and I guess if you want to know what his movie or his idea for his movie would have been, just watch the TV show. Yeah. It's not got 
all the jokes that you've got in this. Although, you know, it does come with, with humour. I think the TV show is probably the better of the two, if, 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 I'm, if I'm being honest. I mean, do you know what? I loved the TV show when it came out. I was buying the VHS TV like uh, season box sets. It was like three VHS tapes per season. Yeah. Came in a little box. I bought the soundtrack. Nerf Herder doing the theme song. I was all in. Wow, you're devoted. <laughs> oh, mate, when Buffy came out like in 97, it was incredible. You, you and I was in. really into it. Yeah. But I've got to be honest, I didn't stick with it all the way through. Mm. I didn't watch those later seasons. I saw some of Angel. But this movie, though, it's one that I just kept going back to. Because for some reason, like it must have been popular enough because it was on TV quite a lot. True. So yeah. I'd seen it. That's true. Lot, you, you do see it on TV on. a lot. You're, you're right there. And now, if you've got Disney+, Plus, no excuse. Mm. That's where I know you watched it. That's <laughs> yeah. where I watched it again recently. It's available there. So we've not got Sir Michelle Gellar. We've got Christy Swanson. It's very different. Like, you could almost view this, even though it's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it's so different. If you've only seen the TV show, mm. you could just watch it as something new entirely. And mm. this could just be a different character who just so happens to be called Buffy and is a cheerleader. And he's a slayer. Okay, she's obviously Buffy, the vampire slayer. (laughs) Although, at no point is she referred to as Buffy Summers. You needed to wait for her surname Ah. to watch the TV show. That's where that happens. So she's Buffy only. Most of the characters just have a first name. Although, Oliver Pike, Luke Perry. See, he's like the bad boy. So we mainly just get his character referred to as Pike. Mm. So that's his surname. So we know at least one surname. And he was here. he was obviously for the time the the big Hollywood heartthrob that all the women liked, all the girls liked. You know, he absolutely. Was, yeah. So he would have been. I mean, yeah, nineteen ninety two. Mm. What a big get for this film he would have been. Yeah. And he plays the part well. You know, there's that moment later on in the movie when you get to the you know the big showdown, the finale. She's wearing his leather jacket. Leather jacket, yeah, that's right. I mean, that same thing happened in the season one finale of Buffy. I'll try and stick to the movie, not the TV show, but that happens (laughs) there. You're going to talk about it. It's it's inevitable. You can't have some bleed over or some crossover. But Pike's a cool character, and then he's got his best mate, Benny, played by David Arquette. Mm. Ah, cool. That reminded me of the friendship in Fright Night. Oh, yep. You know, where you've got the main guy and his mate and he gets turned into a vampire, he's hanging outside his bedroom window. So I did get those comparisons there, but David Arquette... You could also compare that to Shaun of the Dead, with Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Comparisons He keeps that around, yeah. David Arquette, another big name. I mean, so many big names oh, like I said, of the 90s. From, yeah, from the outset, it, it really plays like a who's who of the 1990s. I've got to be honest. Like I've said I've seen this film a lot and it wasn't doing prep for this that I found out Thomas Jane... Is in this film. Holy crap. I, I cannot tell you at what point is in it, how much is in it. He was I, the I one can time... give you his name. He plays Zeph. He was the one-time Punisher. That's right, yeah. Mm. And, and many other things. Mm. But this film was his first appearance in a major Hollywood production. Get out of town. But I don't know where he is. Well, I only know his character name because it popped up. But when I was doing prep, it was Tom Jane. I thought, I wonder if that's the same. And I looked into it. Yep, sure enough. It is... Thomas Jane, but just going, I mean, he'll be swank. This, again, theatrical movie debut. She later went on to play Julie in the next Cratty Kid and much more famous Hillary work swank. like that's right. Million Dollar Baby. And she's, you know, she's done heaps of things. Yeah, that's right. When I saw her name on the credits, I was like, oh, wow, Hilary Swank. Okay. But it started with this. 
So we've got the main bad guy, Lothos, played by Rutger Hauer. Mm. I mean, he is hamming it up, isn't he? Like, he is laying on oh, yeah. so thick, Big so time. cheesy. They're basically playing his character as the dirty old man. Yeah. That's who he is. He's looking for a bride. He's one of those iconic actors who's in just about everything in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I mean, before this, he'd done Blind Fury, Blade Runner. After this, in 05, he did Batman Begins and many other... I think, other correct, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think he was also... He also cameoed in The Mandalorian recently, first season. Oh, had, a small, okay. had a very small role. Right, okay, I don't remember... Yeah, okay, it's been a while since I've seen that first yeah. season. yeah. I think he was the the guy who put out the contract for Grogu. He wanted Grogu uh, acquired. Right. He didn't say exactly what Grogu was. He just said there was a package that the Mandalorian yeah. had to acquire. I, think I, that know, was I know who you're talking about. I'm pretty sure it's a film director. But any, anyway, mm. Rutger Howe, he's done many, many things. And he's cheesy as hell in this, but that's obviously what the, that's, that's what a, the role that's the gig. is asking of him. Yeah, yeah it's but playing... I'm going to say servant. Is it his servant? The 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 Paul Rubens character. So he's the other. That you've got two competent vampires in this for the most part. You've got Lothos and you've got Amelin. Because mm. again, all the other vampires they've just been turned. Yeah, and they're getting defeated easily. But wow, Rubens and I said to you before watching this, like not meaning to spoil anything. I know but what's coming. One of the funniest death scenes. Oh man, is is in this film and. It just, gets me every time. I just had a WTF moment when I watched that. Like I was like, what is going on here? And I was like, ah, this is the same Luke must have alluded and to. It, and it's ridiculous. Like, he's, he's dying for the longest time. But for me, it's <laughs> one of those jokes where it goes too far to the point where it's not funny anymore, and then it's funny again. It's like <laughs> it's like he's dance dying. He's like yeah. dance dying, and then they actually come back to it with a cut shot after the, after the credits. And you oh, see him, nice. he gets up and he gets back down again. Oh jeez! It's, it's so funny. Honestly, I I love it. Like it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and apparently, um, that was improvised by Rubens. Wow! Yeah, that and was, they left it that in. That was him. Yeah, I mean, why not? Like we've seen it. We, you know, it's a great scene. Mm. It is a great gag. Apparently, originally the character was written to be female and set to be played by Joan Chen. She what? couldn't do it. She pulled out. Wow. And then it was rewritten as a male character. So I'm not sure how much they had to change, but we got mm. Rubens and we got that great... They in Pee Wee Herman. Scene. Yeah, I mean, why not? Ah, <laughs> uh, good stuff. Stephen Root as Principal Gary yes. Murray. I mean, Stephen Root... He's such he's, a great character actor, isn't he? He really is. And he is the guy. If you're unfamiliar, that's in everything. Like Literally everything. And, and there's even in things where you'll go back and you didn't even realise he was in it. I mean, he's yeah. great in Office Space, which, yeah. I mean, that... I mean, it started, I mean, Office Milton. Space. Milton, yeah. I mean, it started as a SNL sketch. Yeah. That's I think it was Mike even... Mike Judge did for, yeah, did for Saturday Night Live, but then it became its own thing and they wrote a movie around Milton and yeah. they, they padded out the other characters. But that is a... That's interesting because really I've film. also heard another, I've also heard another story behind that. The story I heard was that Milton was actually a comic strip. And that Judge created, and Milton was the central character. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because there's a there's a Saturday Night Live podcast. Mm. Dana Carvey and David Spade fly in the wall. Excellent, by the way. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's an SNL podcast. Like each episode, there's someone who ever worked on the show who has a connection to the show, and there's one with Matt Judge. And that's what led to me wanting to do a rewatch of Office Space. Wouldn't it be great to reach out to them and ask them for the definitive origin of Milton? 
Okay. I mean, it's on that episode. So I don't recall him saying anything about a comic strip, but I do think it was like a short animation. Yeah. And that's what they first that's probably where started doing. But yeah. Stephen Root, like, you'd know him from Dodgeball. If you're watching Barry on HBO, he is phenomenal. He's the biggest arsehole on Barry. He's <laughs> so good on that show. Bill Hader is phenomenal in that show. And Stephen Root is really good as well. But he's the principal. Um, you know, he, he does he as much up. as you would expect a principal to do in a show mm. about high schoolers and also he played Eddie the Vampire in season one of True Blood oh, well, another vampire I think connection. He, even, he even played a dark role he even had a dark turn as, as, as a character I forget what movie I saw him in doing it but he, he did play a pretty dark role he can do it mate yeah. he can do he's it all he's very versatile yeah and you've said it character actor that's yeah. it like you can put him in anything, anything. and he'll just, he'll just crush it he can do it all yeah Ben Affleck that's <laughs> he's in this movie that is the big elephant in the room I was waiting for you to get to. I mean, he is uncredited, but I was looking up, like, what is he referenced as? He is basketball player number 10. Yes, and he has a very <laughs> brief cameo. And it, honestly, it pissed me off that he was uncredited. I rewound those credits two or three times looking for his, <laughs> looking for his name. I'm I like, know, but come He's on. not in there. I don't even remember him having dialogue. I think he just passes the ball. He might have a, like a one line, a throwaway line or something like that. But, but that's okay though. I mean, this is '92. Yeah, this was before, like I think you said in pre-production for the podcast. This was like three years before Kevin Smith cast him. That's it. Yeah, I mean, mm. he that's it. He first worked with Kevin Smith in '95 for more of that. Mm. So this is Ben Affleck before he's Ben Affleck. It's just he's just a no name. But I sent you a screenshot and you replied, "Who is it?" Yeah, <laughs> like, I was that baffled. It's been off like. Yeah, and then when you said that, I went back and re-looked at it. I was like, holy crap, it really is. Seth Green is also uncredited as a vampire. He would later go on to play a huge role in the TV show. Well, he played Oz. Oz. Yes. Yeah, the, the werewolf. Yes. So he apparently, he's one of two actors. I've not got the other person written down, but there's two actors that appeared in both this movie and the, and TV, show. the TV show. Green yes. has come out and said that he was cut from the movie, does not appear. Although, upon further investigation, there's three seconds of footage, <laughs> and for two of them, he's seen from behind. Oh, wow. So there you go, Seth Green. There's... You are in, in yeah. this movie. <laughs> Claim the fame. He is the short, red-haired vampire that gets kicked by Buffy outside the gym when a group of vampires, including him, are taunting her. You can recognise him by his haircut alone. So there you go. Yeah. An eagle-eyed viewer. <laughs> That's clearly wow. picked him out of the bunch. It's great that he came back for the TV show, though. Yeah, it is playing a completely different character. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's yeah. So he's kind of he's in it, but he's not really in it. Mm. Really, he was cut, but you see him for three seconds. Yeah. We talked a little bit about the tone, like how different it is compared to the TV show. The original script by Joss Whedon was heavily rewritten to make this movie lighter. In the original script, Buffy burns down the school gym in which the dance is being held in an effort to destroy the vampires. Mm -hmm. In the TV show, this fact is referred to several times as the series is seen as a spin-off of the original unproduced screenplay rather than this movie. So again, that's, you know, there was an origin comic book, but also in the TV show, Whedon's getting to do what he wasn't able to do He's able to retcon in it. this movie. And he didn't have to wait too long, really. Yeah. Like five years. And then the success that he had with both of the Vampire Slayer, yeah. Firefly, Serenity. But it's interesting that he's able to get around the screenplay of the movie that he wanted nothing to do with. That he was able to just retcon it and make it sound like it wasn't canon. Yeah. Mm. 
Visually, so we've talked about how the newly turned vampires aren't really that powerful. No. The way that... Yeah, I, I don't know. I think they serve a purpose, though. The fact that it's a comedy, I think... Mm. Because what I was going to say is that the look of the vampires is quite comical. They've got the pale skin, the pointy ears. Yeah. Some of the ears are, like, folding over. So it, it looks a bit silly, but tonally, it fits with yeah. with the film. They went for a much darker approach with the TV show, with yeah. the master and other Which I think probably vampires. worked a lot better. Yeah, but for 92, for, you know... Yeah. A comedy horror, I think, yeah. you know, visually, you know, the effects and the performances, I think what we're getting is what you would expect of a film mm. like this. That's fair. The composer, Carter Burwell, he has consistently collaborated with the Coen brothers. I wasn't familiar oh, wow. with this composer, but then looking at his body of work, you're like, wow. So with the Coen brothers, um, so he scored most of their films, including Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, Fargo, The Big Lebowski, No Country for Old Men, Burn After Reading, Hail Caesar, The Ballad of Buster Shrugs. I mean, I've, I've, I think that's all of them. I think he's pretty much done he, all their films. What about The Lady Killers? That was a Cohen film. That's a good point. Barton Fink. Oh, okay, so he's not done all of them. That was my favourite one, he's, actually. He's done most of them. Lebowski was good, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you seen... The fo- is it Jesus Rolls, the spin-off? No, oh, I must. John Totoro I returns. Must. I don't know. Maybe mm. just stick with the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Don't have... Oh, I don't know. He didn't do it for him. But they didn't direct it either. But anyway, We'll have to have that conversation off here because um, I want to get into that with you. Yeah, I, I checked it out. It, it's <laughs> a thing that happened. The soundtrack does not include every song played in the film, which includes Everybody Hurts by R.E.M., oh, In wow. the Wind by War Babies, and Inner Mind by Eon. I mean, again, the the actors, the the visuals, the humour, the music, 90s. <laughs> like it yeah, screams it's early 90s. Quintessential, quintessential 90s. Yeah, so we get. I think, for me, we're getting perfect synergy there, like, across mm. the board, like... I mean, it didn't work for Whedon. Obviously, he left the project. Yeah. But for me, as a viewer, I've always you know things to like about this movie. Yeah. But this is your first viewing. So if you're going to rate it out of five, to be honest, to be really honest with you, man, I I'm coming in at probably what my lowest ever score on this show, and I'm going to go in with about a two because it just didn't really it just didn't really work for me. I mean, I suppose because I I'd heard it's one of those things I heard about for so long. And I, I guess expectation was built up in my mind. So that when I went and watched it, it played completely different from what I had conceptualized it as. I always thought it was going to be more leaning toward the horror genre because uh, that's what you think of when you think of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, much in line with the TV show. I did not expect it to be a comedy. And while that's not a bad thing in, inherently, just, I don't know, it felt really hammy to me. It felt really hammy and cheesy and really B-grade. And I don't know whether they wanted to do that on purpose. Uh, clearly, it must... That's, I'd say yes. Yeah, I'd say I'd, yeah. <laughs> clearly, that's what they're going for. But, and I just didn't expect it. I really didn't. So I was kind of like, wow, this is not at all what I expected. And then I, I, I said the word underwhelming earlier on in the show, and I think that really sums up how I feel about Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a film. Um, the actors are serviceable. They, they play their roles, and it's all good. But And it's great that it's, it's pure 90s, as you say. And um, you clearly have a, a love for it, but I don't, I don't want to poo-poo that. But it, it, my own personal experience watching it for the very first time was, and perhaps I need to watch it more, was just that it just was very underwhelming for me. And so I'm coming in there too. Maybe in future watches we'll, we'll, we'll see me ratchet my score up a little more. I mean, that's fair. I mean, yeah, you, you're coming to it brand new. And, and sometimes like you watch things when you're younger, which again, this is something that as long as I can remember, 
I've seen and and enjoyed. But it's a film that I would. It was, what was Teen Wolf? That I think was eighty five. Mark J. Fox. Yeah. yeah, it's eighty five, and then seven years later they did this. I'd put this with Teen Wolf. It's that kind of film. Mm. One was eighties, one was nineties, but tonally it just fits. I just have fun with this, and I've never needed it to be anything more than what it was. And I did see this before the TV show as well. So yeah. I, I watched it before I knew what it could be. You mm. know, with the you know the TV show. I like it, man, but I'm obviously I'm not going to go crazy. Like I'm yeah. really not going to go crazy with my rating. I do realize that it's a movie that I have a soft spot, and again, 30th anniversary. I'm really glad that we're doing a review. Uh, but I'm going to come in, and it might seem a little bit high, mm-hmm. but I'm going to come in at a 3.5. Okay, that's out fair. of five. That's I, fair. I just I really like it. If I'm honest, it is more like a three, but I'm giving it a 0.5 bump. So I'm going to give it a 3.5. Out of five. That's fair. I think for me, like the way you felt about reviewing and watching Dick Tracy is kind of the way I feel about this. That's right. We had different experiences yeah. reviewing that. And, and it, you know, and like you say, you had an idea of what it was going to be and it wasn't that. And sometimes it's not the movie's fault. No. But that can impact your enjoyment. Exactly. Or it's probably just what it's been built up to be or what word of mouth has kind of built it up to be. Yeah, I mean, it has, over the years, become a cult classic. Mm. And not just because of the TV show. Like, this is a movie that, you know, many people like consider, like, precious. Like, they're yeah, really, I, I, don't really wish like to take, I don't wish to take away from it. I'm sure it's great for what it is. It's just, it, it's just, it was very different to what I imagined it to be. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's it for our episode all about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Cheers for having me, man. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.